Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Nordic Creatives, a podcast that informs, entertains, and inspires designers to share knowledge and promote each other. In this episode, we'll talk about Mark's beginnings from student to Google, his work life there. Then Mark will be your mentor for the last five minutes, giving you his most wise advices. Mark, welcome to Digital Nordic Creatives. Thank you. So, Mark, we met at UX Copenhagen 2018, where you gave a speech about the new reality of image manipulation. Why is this topic important to you, and what would you change were you to decide? This, I mean, this topic is, I think, is interesting and needed to be talked about a bit more because it does affect the daily life of nearly everyone. Uh, our images represent so much in our lives, both as evidence in a courtroom, as our personal identification, but also as how we kind of experience and understand the world through social media, through just our documentation of our lives. So with new tools, uh, I mean, moving beyond Photoshop into things, tools powered by AI and machine learning, it's a whole new world where you can manipulate and change things that are pretty difficult to understand how they have been faked, or even if they were ever real in the first place. And so I think just raising awareness about what's made possible by AI and machine learning is, is a big kind of step forward. And just to show designers how their work can influence and impact the space is what I wanted to talk about. Mm. You already seem very passionate about your work and, and this topic as well. I'm curious about how your career started. What was the spark of passion that made you channel your career towards who you are today? This topic in particular is pretty new to me. In a lot of ways, I've only been at Google for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And I've been working within Google Research and within this kind of image and video space uh, during that time. But it was new to me and, and just the, the scope of what could be done, how um, kind of amazing the technology is. Uh, but when I originally started out, I, I was just interested in making kind of fun, usable, engaging products for people. And, and I was doing so in the industrial design space where I was building furniture and sink faucets and just focus on products, actually. And then mm -hmm. having seen what I felt was kind of a limited perspective on the impact that uh, I could do for not only a company, but also in everyday people's lives, the impact that my work was having, I gravitated towards interaction design and user experience design and actually took the leap to do a master's program in interaction design, where mm -hmm. then it opened up a whole new world of kind of digital and experiential design that I felt married my um, experience in industrial design with that kind of digital component really well. So when you worked with industrial design, you worked in uh, consultancies and advertising agencies, right? Uh, well, actually, I was, I was doing industrial design initially uh, for a year or two and then made the transition to interaction design and then mm -hmm. moved. Once I was an interaction designer and kind of had a little more experience in that, I was freelancing for a while out abroad in Hong Kong, actually, and then jumped to 
back to the United States where I worked at a, an advertising firm called Crispin Porter and Bogusky. And mm -hmm. I worked there for a couple of years working on anything from microsites to apps to mm -hmm. campaigns that touched a bunch of different types of clients' work. Mm -hmm. So it could be you know, selling clothes, but it was mainly geared towards e-commerce in a lot of ways and advertising. All right. But this seems very different from the work that you do at Google. What is the difference and what was your biggest challenge when making the transition from consultancies to in-house? Uh, yeah, I mean, each, each consultancy, in-house, advertising, they all have their different pros and cons. In a lot of ways, there is kind of a common through line, I think, between each of the roles I've had where essentially as an interaction designer or user experience designer, you try to take the problem presented to you either by the client or what you've discovered about the user and their struggles with their kind of daily life or whatever this product that you propose will improve their mm -hmm. life. As a user experience designer, you kind of work to design the solution for that and how you can make that experience better, mm -hmm. but it can change based on the role you have within a company. So if you were in advertising, for example, it, it becomes a bit of a, a struggle as you try to balance the, the needs of a company, mm -hmm. a client who is trying to sell more products more often than not, and then the user who you want to have a positive experience, but then have to be cautious of not creating a product that incentivizes them to, you know, spend more money or take more of their time or attention. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's that kind of struggle there, but you all are also in advertising creating very temporary experiences where mm -hmm. they are usually just something that is around for a hand, a few months and not a long lasting product because it's in service of a campaign mm -hmm. of a specific advertising kind of clients three-month campaign for like a back-to-school or a holiday campaign mm -hmm. and you aren't creating long-term design mm -hmm. that uh, design kind of systems or services or products and so there are positives to that that you get to kind of do a lot more experimental a lot more polished and, and beautiful experiences but they aren't necessarily as deep as you would do in a consultancy where you're doing kind of focus on creating very valuable uh, services or products for users that kind of have an impact for years where they are using this to sign up for bank services or their, you know, healthcare or any of these other more, one I might say, important mm -hmm. kind of use, uses. And at a consultancy, though, you are kind of focused on these, these tasks and you do them in very short chunks as well they may last a consultancy work may last anywhere from a few weeks to a few months rarely a year or more and the benefit being you get to kind of work on all different types of industries and all different types of works ranging from medical to education to automotive and you, you can do really interesting work across all of these but you don't get to do very deep work where you understand all of the Kind of different perspectives of thought and all of the implications of the technology and the, the money that is kind of driving this project mm -hmm. where you would at an in-house company 
mm-hmm. uh, at, at Google or Spotify or any any company that's creating their own product and is, is building it, you can start to deeply understand all of the motivations from sales and marketing and product and service and all, all of these different areas kind of inform your designs and you have a whole more holistic kind of view. But then in a lot of ways, in-house design can be a bit slower because it's more bureaucratic because you're de- debating with all of the other uh, groups within the product, within the service. And so it, it may take a lot longer to get it built or it may not be exactly as sexy or beautiful as you were hoping because it kind of just needs to be made and needs to be made quickly and cheaply often. Okay. So there can be a divide between those. But there is, as a user experience designer, a similar kind of experience. You just got to emphasize different aspects and get to stretch kind of different skills in each type of role. Hmm. Very interesting. Until now, we talked about your beginnings as an interaction designer in, in advertising, consultancies, and then at Google. And now I want to focus a bit on Mark at Google. What are the advantages and disadvantages of Google as a workplace? Honestly, so Google is so big and there are so many different types of teams that it's hard for me to speak for any other experience than my own. Mm -hmm. The Google that I have experienced has been really amazing where I am on a small team of just eight or nine people and it often feels like a small little startup where we're kind of building our own thing and I don't really have this influence of a large huge bureaucratic company um, where I can't ever get anything done but then the flip side of that is I also have this I've had this great network where if I just want to, if I, there's another Googler that I'm aware of that has done some inspiring work or working on a project that I'm curious about, mm-hmm. I can just reach out to them through our internal hangouts or an email and set up a lunch. And more often than not, I can set it up that same week and just go meet them and have lunch and at one of our cafes. And it's very casual and simple and people are more than happy to talk with you uh, about personal life or just or just work and just, just get to know their fellow colleagues. But that's one thing that Google, I think, does that a lot of other places just aren't, it's not possible, mm-hmm. uh, that I, I've been very fortunate to experience. It sounds like it's a, a small family uh, within your team and at the same time that you can get contact and interact with other Googlers as well. Yeah, it, uh, that's pretty accurate, I would say. All right. Currently, you're working on on a project at Google, of course. What are the tools that you use to help you? For example, to perform user research, prototyping, user testing. I mean, us beginners were very curious always to know about this. Yeah, I, mean, I would say that... Um, it's not too different than what you probably already use. I I am a big proponent of Sketch. I'm a little curious about what Envision is coming out with, with their whole studio set of tools. Mm-hmm. But I use mostly Sketch in my day-to-day, as well as principle, maybe to convey some motion prototypes. Or mm-hmm. possibly once in a while, I'll use Envision. 
But for the most part, if I'm building prototypes, it's done in principle, some in Adobe After Effects, and then once in a while, we'll start to kind of explore and build in Unity to kind of do some experimental uh, prototy prototypes or even start to build the, the kind of skeleton of an app. But mm -hmm. that's not that often. But you, you wouldn't find yourself short-skilled or uh, unable to kind of compete in the Google environment as long as you know Sketch mm -hmm. and, and have a, like, a loose understanding of Photoshop as well to kind of help kind of tune some of the images or some of the other aspects you're working on. Okay, so these are the tools that help you in, in your everyday work life, even when it gets hectic. And now, Mark, I want you to find your inner guru and give your life hacks on how to make the leap from student to design professional. Well, back to your earlier question about the tools I use, I think one of them would be to not get so hung up on learning all the different types of tools. I know there's a seemingly a new one that comes out every every month. You have everything from Framer to Figma to Sketch to Studio. There just seems an, like an abundance of tools. I would find a few that you think cover kind of your ability to communicate the project. Mm -hmm and then communicate it with not only to fellow designers, but to engineers, and be able to put it in the hands of someone and, and have it be a convincing illustration of what your, your idea was, and that would be a great start, rather than trying to learn every new tool and figure out how it works and what good it will do you. Find a few that you can become very good at and use those to communicate your ideas. Uh, I would say, it's also such a good skill for a designer to be able to reach out to another designer and talk to them about their interests in their company and their in the field at large. Just something to spark a conversation that too many students, I feel like, are shy or insecure about reaching out to designers, professional designers who have been working for a while and just simply sending them an email to ask them a question about a project or an idea or a set up a coffee mm -hmm. that they could then meet or even a phone call. And I would tell you more often than not, most designers are happy to help support the community and would be willing to take a 15 minute phone call or a 30 minute coffee break where they can meet with you and give you advice. And more often than not, if, if it goes well and your communication and your relationship starts to develop, it, it's not rare for that designer to recommend you as a student for an actual internship or a role as you kind of move through school and get closer to graduation. Mm -hmm. So take advantage of being a little bold and finding people that you think are doing interesting work and reaching out to them to kind of find uh, how to make that leap. Mm -hmm. And lastly, I, I guess that uh, in that same kind of vein, there is so much different kind of design, different kinds of design you can do. You can work and develop 
medical record, design medical records, you can design, you know, film theater experiences, you can design walkthroughs of museums, you can design education tools. There is such a wide variety of work that designers are now capable of doing that I think all too often designers in school are kind of stuck on a few of the big names like Google and like Facebook mm -hmm. and Spotify that you often kind of see those as the be all end all that the place you want to end up in and want to start working for. But there is so much different kinds of work that is so impactful and so valuable and they are in desperate need of good designers mm -hmm. that you will also get paid well and you will also you know, get to do interesting work. It's just not as well known, but you can help make it important and valuable for those people who are actually using those products and services. These are all really great advices. I personally can relate to them and I'm sure all of our listeners can as well. It was great. Thank you so much, Mark, for being uh, in our episode here on Digital Nordic Creatives. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been your host, Jesse, and if you totally hated this episode, tell us why. But if you enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, comment, and share the positive vibes. Till next time, see ya!